well, well, bitch. <laughs> um, is that a car honking behind yeah. you? That's mom. Uh, excuse me. You said you want to curse. <laughs> let's just let's separate the wheat from the tares or whatever. Like, let's get right to it. If you need to tune out because there's going to be a you know some cuss words, feel free to tune out. Which one is more virtuous, the wheat or the tear or the chaff? I gun to my head, I couldn't tell you. It's <laughs> wait the ta- the chaff, the tears. It you know it goes. You can say both wheat from the chaff, wheat from the tears. I think so, it's wheat because you want wheat. Wheat is wholesome. Wheat is what you eat. Wheat is bread. Wheat is manna from heaven. Okay, so I think Chandler, we just have to accept the fact that we are tears and we are chaff. Fair. I can't picture either of those items, so I'm okay with being likened to them. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm keto anyway, so I don't want to be wheat. So true. So true. You're keto. I'm actually actually not keto. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I am going carnivore right now, but. Wow. Buckle in, everybody. I'm about to see Lauren in the flesh in the next 24 hours, and I I can't wait for her her latest endeavor. The only thing passing my list, lips is uh, beasts of the flesh. And let me tell you, I have never felt better. You do do this. Like every year you go down like a steak rabbit hole where you're just like, Chandler, nothing is better than a T-bone steak at the end of every day. And I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, but yeah. Let me just say, let your body get physically hungry and then eat a piece of meat like the mammal and hominid that you are and tell me you do not feel like a warrior tell me okay this is a perfect segue i completely agree you do feel like a warrior um i've been watching this show called alone have you heard of it okay oh is it the one where it's like they fight it's like a five hundred thousand dollar challenge um good guess uh no it's it's a show basically it's a million dollar challenge (laughs) it's like you just used to be 500k you just listed off the most general like game show premise. You're like, is this the one well, where there's like- a money at the end that you win? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like they're dropped in the middle of nowhere yes. and they have to survive. Okay. Wait, yeah. So have you watched it? Well, yes. And I have a funny story about this. I watched it with Kagan like three years ago when the okay. prize was 500K. Yeah. And I was just like looking at the misery they were living in. And I'm like, for 500K, that's not even that much money. And Kagan looked at me and he's like, you have like no money. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I go, fair enough. Yeah, honestly, that was like, yeah. That was probably at the time in our life where we were like, hey, can I borrow a hundred bucks till next Friday? <laughs> oh, it was like I was that was still a, a time when like overdraft emails were, uh, you know, not infrequent. I feel like at one point Courtney needs to be on here and we need to just discuss like the triad of like Venmoing each other a couple hundred bucks till, you know, the next pay cycle and just like the, the exchange of cash that used to happen between us. I mean, it'll happen every now and again, but it doesn't happen as like it literally was on a weekly basis. I mean, let's just say there is some collusion in this family to create the the closet of our dreams. Okay. Right. Whether that's, can you put this on your CC? <laughs> so it's, you know, not whatever it is, whatever it it's be. done. Okay. Whatever the truth. Whatever the truth. <laughs> there is absolutely no fiduciary transparency yeah. in this family. The sisters are one and we protect each other. If there was ever like a, a Senate hearing where we had to like answer for our Venmos that were just like <laughs> va- okay, see, thinly yeah. veiled with just like a heart, just one red heart <laughs> and you know you're getting cash from your sister. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Anyways, 
Anyways, we, can't we digress. Spill what anymore. Were we say about the oh, wilderness yeah. show. We can't spill any more state secrets. Um, about the wilderness show, I've been watching it. Some of our friends are watching it. It's Ben has already seen like all the seasons, but I got into it like a couple weeks ago. It's really excellent TV. It's called Alone. It's it's just like a fantastic watch. It it has moments that are so intense, but it's also like you can like you know be on your computer while you're watching it, and it, like you don't have to be like you know staring at the screen every second, which I appreciate in a in a television show. Um, but these people are constantly just like eating either like rabbits or fish, right? And yes, I, and honestly, it's looking just good like, too. Looking good, make it <laughs> makes me literally crave red meat. And so yeah. the other day, I was at the office. Okay, I was at the office, okay. and they always have like amazing food at at our office, which I feel very blessed to you know partake. And it's just like they had tri-tip, right? They had like a carving station. So of course I mosey on over. I get myself, myself some tri-tip and I'm just like sitting there with like four of my other coworkers and I just kind of mutter, oh, I just love that I get to eat red meat. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely delicious and so nourishing to the body. Exactly. It's so nourishing. And, you know, I I wasn't sure if I was among mixed company of vegans, perhaps, but I just like I had to offer, you know, a prayer out loud of gratitude for red meat and its availability and what in did my they life. Say? People were what? people were wary of me and they were a little <laughs> bit nervous because I did I did have some strong carnivore energy in that moment. <laughs> well, I mean, this brings me to my vegetable conspiracy. And honestly, like I really I do respect vegans like the vegan impulse to uh, protect you know consciousness other sentient beings from suffering i think that's great mm-hmm. um but i do think it's misguided here we go uh in terms of you know the amount of it's just so much more complicated than that in terms of the amount of carbon that's emitted to actually farm vegetables and farm falling all, asleep like, the vegan stuff falling asleep anyway, over yeah. here we're over that. But anyway, the thing that I think is um, is interesting is on this Alive show, when you see them, you alone. know, trying to alone. survive. Oh, yes. Alone. <laughs> in this alone show, when you try, when you see them trying to survive in the tundra. Can mm-hmm. I tell you, Chandler, what they're not that they're interested not, in? I don't, also, they're not in the tundra. I think they're in the Arctic, but go on. Well, okay, Chandler, there's a lot of seasons. They go in different locations. You're clearly okay. new to the show. Um <laughs> They're not after kale or spinach that they got to dust off. No, they're after beast of the flesh. And that is because that is what gives the biggest nutrients for your buck. And you're looking for like fatty things because fat is what keeps you like your your energy up. So anyways, now I'm going to sound like some keto warrior, but yeah. It's all it's all just, you know, food for thought. But anyway, let's move on. This is not let's a nutrition podcast. This is not, you know, Melissa What Health podcast. Right. This is Pop Apologist. So let's get to celebrity stuff that's going on this week, mm-hmm. Jen. Did you watch the funeral? You know, I I tried. I really tried. <laughs> it was a lot of marching. <laughs> it was a lot of it was just a lot of people taking steps. <laughs> And I will. It was so much marching. My base self took over. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And I did turn on, I did turn it off and swap it, swap out the funeral for sister wives. Mm. And I really don't regret it. I don't regret that choice. Great. Either way, you were watching history unfold. So good (laughs) for you. So I, I of course like turned it on first thing yesterday morning because I was like, you know, I I like watching like processions of sorts. Like I just, I like turning on the news, whatever. And Basically, I turned it on and I had it on for a couple hours in the morning and, you know, Ben didn't really say anything. You know, he wasn't tearfully sitting by my side, holding my hand, you know, feeling all this emotion. But after about hour three of me just having the funeral going and the, you know, the organ music is playing and it's very reminiscent of like church a little bit. Oh, no, it's full general you know, conference. Energy. Yes, yes. Yeah, we actually both express that. And so like we're him and I are trying to figure out like our rental car situation while we're in Utah. And, you know, we're just like it's super annoying. All the cars are sold out. We're like trying to figure it out. And at some point I could just kind of see his eyes flicker to the TV and like annoyance. And I'm like, I'm like, are you hating this? And he goes, are you loving it? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, oh, well, goddamn. Okay, you got me. It's like, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm not loving it. I guess because <laughs> I'm not just, you know, enthralled, just, you know, tearfully watching everything. It was so I mean, funny. It's just like you think they could make the death of a monarch a little more fun, like a little more entertaining for the masses. I know. I know. And also, like, yeah, it's just even even seeing Charles, I guess now up close, like it's exciting for like the first 60 seconds. Then you're like, Oh, he's still there. Just marching along. March, like, march, march. I've been looking at this dude for, I don't know. What, how old am I? 32 years. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen it, seen him once, seen him a million times. Exactly. And also, you know, I, I, I know the queen was so beloved, but like she kind of was a little banal to me in life. Uh, you think? <laughs> She's like extremely boring and like, like but th- that's kind of why she was like beloved too is because she didn't really like, you know, get into highly political things. She kind of remained honestly a very stately, yes, reserved woman. She stayed out of the fray. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it is great. You know, she was like Diane Sawyer's Bob. She provided a lot of continuity and stability for right. the people of the Commonwealth. And I understand the outpouring of affection because it would be nice to have that, you know, maternal grandmotherly figure to issue, you know, Christmas messages every year um, and come and give speeches at your, you know, Caribbean island. But I do think that on some level, the monarchy is really, really just something that is with her passing just going to transform into something completely otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that the whole family is pretty cool emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we were seeing some crazy show of emotion from anybody. I mean, even the note that was left like on the top of her casket was like pretty uh, tepid. tepid. It's in loving and devoted memory. Charles R. Like, I know. It's just like, there's nothing that's like, it's not great writing. She was beloved, you know, your son, Charles R. Like, it's just like, there's zero warmth. The thing about good writing is it avoids platitudes. It avoids language Mm -hmm. that has been used over and over and over again. So like my vows to Kagan will not be, you're the love of my life. Um, You know, like I can't wait to do life with you or just 
things that have been said a hundred million times yeah. Yeah. will be specific to the person. They will be laced with imagery. And I think there was some okay. very interesting details. We get it. You are a poet. They'll be laced with imagery and cyanide. <laughs> just like laced. <laughs> okay. Well, I just, I'm just saying like, it's just, again, it's just like kind of banal. Like I yeah. want, I want some story of like, you know, remember in Balmoral, um, in Scotland, when we were walking through the hills and you mm-hmm. said this one thing to me, this one piece of wisdom and that, right. you know, has provided the strength and stay to use her mm-hmm. phrase yep. um, for me to X, Y, and Z. There just needs to be some specificity. And a lot of times, I don't know, the Kensington Palace writers, they just fail us every time, like right. men for McCall. Yeah. Um. That's an OG pop apologist <laughs> joke, so you won't get it if you're not an OG. Also, I think the one time that, you know, the queen has struck me with some emotion, some display of emotion is her like writing after 9-11 and her address that she gave. Yes. Like that was like, oh, that was like, oh, like it was touching. It did like strike a chord within me. But like every other time, just like it's it's just like clearly this was written by like, you know, somebody in, you know, the firm's office right. and handed to her. And then she was just like, all right, I will read this, you know. But. Right. The problem is, honestly, the monarchy is just too stately. Yeah. And it can get a little stale. Right, um, right, right, right. But, but thank God we've got Meghan Markle shaking things up and oh she as she breaks down archetypes. Oh, okay. Let's transition to Meghan Markle. May Her Majesty rest in peace. I really do yeah. have a lot of fondness for Queen Elizabeth II. Absolutely. And I do want to honor her memory um, as right. I, you know also tear down her funeral and honestly Um, being back to the dawn of just like male kings it's just like okay here we go again well okay one thing that's really interesting chan that i was reading articles about her death is that she's the first queen or monarch of england in the post-imperial age and i'm really embarrassed to say i had to look up what post-imperial meant i have no idea what that means and imperial means all-powerful so it she reigned as a monarch that didn't actually have power to to really rule mm-hmm. and make political changes in all of the mm-hmm. um in her kingdom. She was no longer the queen of a kingdom. Right. She was the monarch of a commonwealth and the commonwealth were autonomous entities that were self-governed. So it was a much more democratic kind of loose figurehead position. So what's interesting is that now with King Charles, what a lot of people speculate is, you know, Queen Elizabeth II, she was so beloved. She was the queen for so long. A lot of these areas in the Commonwealth kind of allowed her to continue to be their queen because of that fondness, because of what a purely just good royal she was yeah. and good queen. Yeah. But now with Charles, who is a lot more um, polarizing, mm-hmm. has issued opinions on politics, is, you know, not necessarily pure as driven snow with his romantic history. Right. We're going to see a lot more, you know, we're going to see people taking back their power, not not accepting the British monarch as their sovereign. Yeah. Um. And we'll probably see Australia. We'll probably see a lot of places in the Caribbean. We'll probably see just a lot of places. Scotland, perhaps. Mm -hmm. The United Kingdom is in jeopardy, right? Yeah. Because a lot of the United Kingdom will probably just want to join the European Union. Yeah. And so the future of the monarchy is probably going to be, the English monarchy, is probably going to be like 
the German monarchy yeah. or other monarchies in Europe where no one even knows who they are. Yeah. And yeah. and it's that kind of relative anonymity compared to, you know, recent history that strikes fear in the heart of of the current British royals um, because they are, you know, such grand figures on the world stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it is. Yeah. It'll be quite interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you, Lauren, for taking us through that, you know, historical context. Yeah. And I think that it'll be interesting. Maybe it'll even get to a point where once um, King William is on the throne, he'll be doing interviews with pop apologists. You know, it'll it'll have fallen that that far. Right. And he'll be paying us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. I think we should move on, though, to another piece of history being made. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Tap on my window, knock on my... You know what I'm going? You know where I'm going with this? I actually don't. Okay, Lauren. Um, I know this song was highly contested for you. You want it to be your first dance song, all right? <laughs> and I, I'm sorry that it's now uh, tainted. So here we go. <laughs> my gosh it's honestly like a pretty good song it's it also like the it. song i might have lost my virginity to oh gosh no that's just a joke that's disgusting that's just that's a joke everyone oh my gosh we have to I'll talk be losing about my virginity on december 2nd um <laughs> um thank you lauren for that <laughs> lovely imagery you, you promised imagery and you delivered um <laughs> Okay, you guys, we have to talk about the Adam Levine baby name. Drama oh. doesn't even feel like the right word. Scandal? I, it is quite the scandal. So <sighs> do you want to lead us through it, Chandler, or shall yes. I? Uh, no, you go for it, actually. No, you go for it. You go for it. Okay, Lauren. Here we go. Ready? Yes. So, everyone, an influencer and model, okay, recently <sighs> went viral on TikTok because she claims that she had an affair with Adam Levine at the time that he was married and that later on after the affair he messaged her and said <laughs> let me read it for you okay so they had an affair all right so she starts by saying i was having an affair with a man who's married to a victoria's secret model at the time i was young i was naive and i mean quite frank- frankly i feel exploited okay because she says adam and i were seeing each other for about a year after i stopped talking to him for a period of months this is how he came back into my life ready Oh, yeah, I'm ready. This is what he DMs her. Quote, okay, serious question. I'm having another baby, and if it's a boy, I really want to name it Sumner. You okay with that? Question mark. Dead serious. End quote. There's so much here. First of all, I just want to say out the gate, I am devastated for Bahati. I mean, she's literally pregnant right now with their third child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and. And maybe it's because I've been ensconced in, you know, the womb of family life for the past week. But there just seems to me for someone to cheat on the mother of their children, young children especially. Yeah. It's just like so it's like mental illness. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. so strange. It's yeah. so selfish. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. And then to be playing these games, Chandler, did you know another mistress has come forward really yes oh my gosh also i don't think this sumner 
Instagram model, and let's use the term model a little loosely, everyone. I mean, basically the term model means nothing in 2022, but Sumner Instagram model is no victim in my opinion. First, I'm sorry, but I knew at 18 or 19 or however old she was. I love how she's 23 and she's like, I was young when it happened. I was naive. Yeah. We all know that you shouldn't sleep with married men with children. In the words of Real Housewives of Atlanta, close your legs to married men. <laughs> it listen, it is it's basically a Zen koan for women everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is a poem if I if I've ever heard one. <laughs> no, it's just like this chick takes no responsibility. Right. Tells says that she was exploited. Also, someone well, wrote this is hilarious Jenner. Yeah. someone wrote she deleted her video from earlier this year laying on a bed singing along to his song beautiful mistake oh, oh she's such gosh. a victim right right i mean she claims she was exploited because she sent these texts this a copy of this you know dm to some of her friends and her friend was going to sell it to like the tabloids right and i'm like yeah sorry you have terrible friends uh, that sucks. Maybe you should choose different people. But like the minute that you screenshot it and then decide you want to you want to like have the gratification, it. yeah, of of showing other people, like you're opening yourself up to that stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, also let's also not be naive. Right. This chick knows what she's doing. Yeah. Did we? Did anyone beyond some OnlyFans subscribers know who Sumner was? Right. Last week, I don't no. think so. No. So this is a this is she's <sighs> getting what she wanted, which is more people, more followers. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, her reputation will rebound, and she'll have a lot more followers. And it, yeah, it's just it's pretty disgusting. And I think it just goes to show that again, again, ladies everywhere. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a Victoria's Secret model, or you know. It doesn't matter what your looks are, okay? Literally, yeah. It just doesn't. The hottest women on earth are cheated on. It's all about the guy and yeah. his his issues, whether they're insecurity, whether they're narcissism, whether they're just never going to be faithful monogamous yeah. men. Literally, it's not about you, gal. Yeah. It's yeah. not about you. Yeah, literally. It's Also, it's just men will fail you every time. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, um, I'll say it. I'm man enough to say it. <laughs> I oh, no. Is Ben in the room? Yeah. No. I mean, men will fail you 99.9% of the time. It's, celebrity men will fail you every time. How about that? Yeah, I think that's probably safe to say. Yeah. Um, can we transition or do you have yes. anything else? No, no, that's it. It's, it's honestly not worth talking about anymore other than, you know, I hope Bahati like finds someone else like really hot. Okay, so let's chill. Let's transition to another man that's failing a woman, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Cody Brown. I didn't watch. Okay, well, I'm just going to <laughs> I am just going to give you a little taste of what's happening in season 17, episodes one and two. Episode one is fully a 40-minute episode of Christine and Cody discussing emotionally the disintegration of their marriage. Okay. So Cody dark. admitting to her that he was not attracted to her when they got married. What? Yeah. Um, Christine is is like actually like next level terrible. This guy is just off his rocker. And I think a lot of it is he's a victim of like polygamy culture, which is very much like, you know, marry out of duty Mm -hmm. and women are basically disposable and don't, you don't have to be a, a truly active father. Yeah. Like I think that he is a little bit of, 
I don't want to give him that much. I don't want to let him off the hook that much. Yeah. But he's clearly working from a set of moral rules that most normal people are not working yeah. from. Like yeah. she talks about this time when they were in Orem, Utah, when they lived mm-hmm. there in the compound and how she had to make income and she had three kids. Yeah. So she was working at night. And so McKelty at 10 was putting the kids to bed. Yeah. Um, and she said that she asked him, like, I need you to just come and put the kids to bed every night. Yeah. Just tuck them in and just be with them for a second. Yeah. yeah. And he said, no. He said, I can't do that. Why? And she said that because he had to be with other families that he had. Like, he couldn't leave. He couldn't, like, break Not off the time. His, like, with- yeah with other women and families to come be with her family. And he thought she was being unfair. Isn't it all about literally just like everyone picking up the slack and like these families, like and helping each other. Well, I think in the utopian Warren Jeff's fantasy, sure. Um, But in the reality, it's a lot of women just do virtually everything. And the man is the King. That's the reality of most polygamous households and then vying for the King's attention. It's why it's such a like, a patriarchal, disgusting way mm-hmm. of life. Um, and what I think is, so what I think it's, so what she said basically was that was the watershed moment for her was when she just had no help. And it also, yeah. it also sounds like when Robin came into the picture, she was just discarded. Like Ugh. she felt valued for a time mm-hmm. by him and everything was okay. But once Robin came into the picture, he basically only really had energy for Robin. Janelle didn't really care. Janelle's Janelle's just kind of like living in her own. She's the master of her own universe. She truly is. Good for her. Get a girl. And Flagstaff does, you know, DGAF. She's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, Real estate queen. Yes. And so, you know, she just says that she's been essentially discarded for so long and she's so done with him, Chandler. She's just almost talking unemotionally. Like she's having to convince him. Like you don't want this anymore. Like this is over. Yeah. yeah. Like we're done. Yeah. And he like, he's like, you're excited. You're excited to leave. And she's like almost like playing and like, you know, I am kind of sad. But he's like, no, yeah. I see a glimmer in your eye that you're excited. Anyway. Well, it's like when I've been mistreated for this long, like maybe I am looking forward to a new chapter. Yeah. And he's like, well, let me tell you my biggest fear. My biggest fear is that you're going to get remarried or you're going to get a boyfriend and he's going to be a big user and come after my money. And I've seen it before. I've seen it before, Christine. You think people are vying for Coyote Pass? (laughs) I know it's a crazy real estate market out there. Janelle can probably back me up on that, but no one's out there for blood looking for Coyote Pass, looking for, you know, a a three bedroom in Coyote Pass. Yeah, no one no I don't think many people are that interested in land that still needs like sewer systems built and roads <laughs> built onto it. <laughs> yeah. But okay. but okay, so then this is uh this is the clincher for me too. He basically won't acknowledge that he doesn't care that much about her or stopped loving her. Okay. That much. He blames all of it on her and her treatment of his other sister wives. Oh my gosh. And her not being a, you know, a loving mother figure to Robin's children and probably having conflicted emotions about, you know, the children of the woman he clearly favors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then also Chandler, but most of all Chandler, her not obeying his COVID protocols. Stop. (laughs) 
Oh yeah. It's all about it's co- the COVID and the protocol. COVID talk. The Holy COVID shit. Pro- the COVID protocol talk is still going. It's still going strong. Wait, does he still not like they still have to follow those rules? I don't know when this is being filmed. You would think it's March of 2020. Right. But they are in the thick of COVID Ugh. in Flagstaff Honestly, still. I I want to like donate to a GoFundMe for Christine to like go on a carnival cruise or something after this. Like she she deserves everything. I've always favored her. She's a woman I favor the most, I'll be honest. Um and absolutely. She's she the best just, of the bunch. She deserves the world. And of co- of course she's excited. She should be. Well, okay. And this is like, this is the most hilarious thing. So he's, uh, he, you know, they had like a meeting with Isabel who's going off to community college in Pennsylvania. And, and he's, and they're like, you know, we're going to drive around in August. So you could fly out there and help us move her in. You could drive with us. You know, you're welcome to come as much as you want. And he's like, with COVID, I have no idea right now. I can't commit to anything. Oh my gosh. And Janelle's family got COVID and he's like, I'm not sure what the protocols are, how many, how long it can be till I see them. If it's 10 days, if it's 21 days, if it's a month, like he's so just clearly using it as an excuse to just be with Robin. Right. Right. Anyway, it is just (sighs) all very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, maybe I'll jump in and start watching. Can Uh, I tell, can I actually read you? something from the Cody Brown memoir what yeah so there's some like sister wives book they all wrote I don't know if this is from a book I don't know if it's from a blog post it's from something but it's one of the darkest excerpts that a man has decided to put into into writing that I've ever that I've ever read about a woman let alone his wife what does he say so he's describing them early in their relationship And he says, Christine went into the Quickie Mart and bought herself what looked like the largest portion of chili cheese nachos that I'd ever seen. The sight of those nachos turned my stomach. I couldn't watch her eat them. She must have been starving because she was eating so quickly and there was chili sauce and nacho cheese everywhere. What? This is real? This is is, is real. This is from the words written down to be published by Cody Brown, Satan on Earth. Looking back, I hate myself for the thoughts I had at that moment, but the sight of this chubby girl in my car devouring chili cheese nachos for breakfast put the brakes on our relationship. It brought out the most superficial and shallowest side of me. I still liked her. In fact, I liked her very much, but the nacho cheese experience cooled my attraction a little. Well, a lot. Shit. Let's burn him at the stake. Should we bring back crucifixions? Because I'm at that level. He's like a vile, vile man. And I cannot believe he's like gotten success with a TV show. Like, oh, I know. I know. Um, and you know what? To, like write hate mail or something. Okay. I think we should move on though. Okay. I say, Laura, let's get into some Q&A. Oh, you want to do Q&A to round us out? I think so. Yeah. I think that would be great. I think that would honestly be excellent. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I do. Okay. The first question someone asks who would win in a fight, Lauren or Chandler? And okay. what? Let's break this down. Physical or psychological? Um, okay. Well, I actually would like to liken this to, you know, in the WeWork show when the SoftBank guy says, who wins in a fight? Who's smarter or who's crazier? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
Wow. Way to twist this in your favor as the loser. <laughs> no, absolutely. The, I absolutely would be the loser. But anyways, I couldn't resist making that joke. You're not crazy. I'm not that smart. It's fine. Yes, you're super smart. I don't know why. No, I'm. that's ridiculous. Um, I think that honestly, Chandler, maybe two years ago, would have lost every time. Okay. Um, but I don't think that's the case anymore. Chandler has uh, grown a big backbone these days and, wow. you know, takes no shit. And so, no, I don't I don't think that I would necessarily just win in a fight. In fact, a lot of times I feel like I come crawling to you with, you know, on bended knee begging oh. for reconciliation and peace. That's very nice. Um, I think I, I think I did need to grow a little bit of a backbone, but I think that most of the time you and I do just want peace with each other. So... No yeah. one really wins. We just kind of like really do want the other person to feel heard and seen. And then, you know, we try to just work from there. Because I may shock people to hear this, but we're both very emotionally healthy people. Yeah. Um, and there's really not like a malevolent character yeah. amongst yeah, between absolutely. us. Okay. Um okay, next question. Does your family have sibling roles? The funny one, the smart one, the leader, etc. Oh, I think for sure. Absolutely we do. Should we go through them? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm all three. <laughs> for the record yeah for sure no I think that like I would say that like Courtney is maybe the leader okay what do you think um I think Courtney right now holds the most power yes and that's maybe because you know where she goes the children go and we all want to be with her and the children yeah when you have the keys to the kingdom everyone is at your mercy you know yeah um you do, sit on the throne right I do think that I don't know that this person listed off your role, but I think you are actually the glue of our family. This has been a new thing that people have been calling me. Um, so please, just please explain why well, I'm school supplies. Um, thank you. Uh, you, Lauren, you are the person who I think emotionally takes care of almost everyone in the family. I think that especially when in terms of our parents, I think that you are extremely nurturing to every single person in our family and you try to be really cognizant of everyone's emotions and I think that you are always encouraging us to you know emotionally take care of the other person or to be empathetic towards other people in our family which sometimes is annoying because I like will call you annoyed with something about someone and then you'll just be like well I think you need to have a bit greater empathy and I'm like shut up um, <laughs> I feel like yeah it, sometimes it feels like you're Jesus and you know I'm not <laughs> Um, that's, that's like very, very, very nice. And I will absolutely take it. Yeah. I think that that is, thank you. That's really, really beautiful. Um, uh, and someone also asked how things are going with the, you know, family drama that was caused by Ben and I cohabitating and everything is very good and things have been restored and healing has happened. And so I appreciate everyone caring about me and, uh, yeah, love you guys. Yeah. Should we go through the other siblings, though? Yes, Lauren, we should go through the other siblings. Okay, so Ashley is definitely the smart one. Ashley's, wouldn't when you agree, Chandler, her brain yes. just like runs out of faster processing speed. Somehow in the genetic lottery, all of the smartness really went to Ashley. Like we didn't, we're not even, none of us, I would say, are half as smart as Ashley is. She sends us, she sends us memes that make no, like are everything it's she sends like, us are completely over our head. It, it has like eight things in it I need to Google. 
(laughs) She's just like such a student of history and she's so smart. And any political issue she has like an actually interesting opinion on. Right. That's like no that most people are not aware of. Like she's not a contrarian. That's like so far to the right or so far to the left she's just like on a different plane which literally yeah yeah. so it's it's very entertaining and i would say she's also one of the funny ones yes for sure ashley's super funny and a great storyteller courtney is courtney is the leader but not just because she has kids i would say that she's also um i would say she's just like very very generous with her time very generous her home her home you know courtney i think if she was a even the slightest bit more kind of territorial with her time, she could very easily, you know, our family would not be as close. Yeah. Because like we rely on her to either bring all her four kids down to a family event or to open her home to everyone so we can be together. Yeah. And she always rises to the occasion every single time, even when it's not even made that comfortable for her to do so. Right. Right. So Courtney is like greatly, greatly, benevolent and giving yeah and I, would, I would say that mccall is another person who is the part of the glue who's also very aware of everyone's emotions who's constantly trying to like nurture other people and make sure that everyone is like happy and if you know there's some type of drama mccall is you know wants to make sure that everyone it gets resolved and that everyone's happy really i feel like mccall is like completely stays out of the fray and like it's in her own really world. no i mean She's she's she has chastised me before for being insensitive to mom. So oh really? Yeah, and I feel like Nick is kind of is also one of the funny ones where he is sort of no BS and he'll literally like say anything for shock value from our parents and it's hilarious. Yes, um, agreed. Nick is hilarious, um, and I think that covers everyone. I think we have got all of our siblings. Shocking. Ashley, Courtney, you, me. Did we did we say you? We didn't say you. What you are. I mean, I'm you everything. Said, you said you're all three. Um, I used to think you were used to, before you're a therapist or no, I won't say that. Oh, gosh. I was going to before I would say before cha- mm. before I grow a backbone, before you grow a backbone, honestly, you were kind of the emotional support animal and like peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before there was a little bit of growth in me, you know, there could be a little bit more uh, strife. Um, sure. Sturmundring, if we mm-hmm. want to speak some German. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Chandler would harbor peace talks, would talk to each party, would really be, you know, quite, quite. Uh, I mean, I still do that. Yeah, but I think there's less drama between yeah. like sisters and fights between sisters, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you are just also the glue, you know. I'm om- like I'm omnipotent, frankly. I'm you're all powerful. I'm all powerful, free, imperial, whatever. I think Chandler is just like the down for anything, down to hang, always wants to be at everything, always you know, extremely loving, just like completely, completely irreplaceable. So oh, thank you. But I, you know, and and I think like it's a good thing for everyone to be a part of being the glue, you know, which I try to do every now and then. But, you know, it's too much for me to be at all the time. Yeah. 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 And you've drawn, drawn some healthy boundaries for yourself, which I think is great. Yeah. It's true. Okay. Let's move on, though. Okay. Um, what's another one? Okay. What's our favorite fast food or chain restaurants? Mm, Easy. Let's not answer that one. Really? I think it's funny. Okay. Okay. I think that I'll just – I'll speak for everyone. I think everyone in our family loves Del Taco. We love Chick-fil-A. I love mm-hmm. Subway, personally. 
I don't know if, you know, some people might be upset if I ascribe that to other people, but I do like Subway. Um, But I would say those are the top three, right? I'm not a big Del Taco person. I think if I go anywhere, it's Chick-fil-A. So I'm a a big Chick-fil-A head. Yeah. Also, I do love Taco Bell. Although it makes Um, me feel terrible every time. Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Yeah. Gives me like a stomach ache and yeah, yeah, sometimes like, yeah, sometimes it gives me a stomach ache too, but it's worth it. Um, okay, Lauren, what's a life event that changed you the most? I can also answer. Um, having to get a job. That is what transformed me completely. Um yeah. having to actually grow up and support myself. Um, like getting your corporate job? Like to ha- yeah, like being in a position where I no longer had the safety net of being a college student. Mm -hmm. And so I could be just a poet and working at, you know, various little jobs and doing my little thing and a rising star in the literary world in my own mind. Yeah. Once I was cast out of the garden of my fantasies and had to throw myself on the gears of industry and make myself valuable in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. that was a reckoning with reality and a rude awakening. Yeah. And, and it really, and it really transformed me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say it was a great humbling experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was amazing for you and you were also very good at it. Oh, that's nice. I did not feel good at it, but go on. on. Okay. I think, but go on, but go on, continue. No, like go on with your answer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I would say, leaving Mormonism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. At that and probably like also getting my first job. Like I feel like my life is kind of broken up into those type, those chapters, like, uh, you know, no longer believing in Mormonism and then, uh, beginning my corporate cog life and also like having like a very rough go at it. Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, both of those are experiences of like in, of becoming independent, right? Yeah, totally. I think like, like the experience yeah. of being an autonomous, independent person, it's really, really like the thing that will transform you the most. Yeah. And I think that I just, if there's anything I want to encourage our listeners to do, it's to embrace that as a life experience that you should absolutely have. Yeah. You know? I think like exactly what you're saying, those, they were those were two moments where my worth was tied to something that I stopped believing in, mm-hmm. you know, whether that was like how much I liked my job or a religion and it very quickly changed. And I had to like, wait, am I still like worthy or valuable if like those things shatter? Mm, Cause you stopped liking your job. Well, yeah, it was just like, well, actually I, I don't think I'm passionate about being a copywriter which was like what I thought I was like all throughout college. And like, but do you feel like that you are now? Um, I think I, yeah. I mean, I feel more passionate about it now because I feel more valued and I actually feel like good at my job. And I don't mm. think I felt valued or good at my job at my old right, job. Right. So it like, yeah. it, it, it honestly, and it made me feel more jaded about like corporate life. I mean, I, I'm like, I think I'm passionate. I think like it was, a, it was a way for me to be like, no, you can be like really good at something. And also it doesn't have to be like your identity. You know, it's, it's, it was also more of an identity thing with both cases. Yeah. The amount of growth that happens once you realize the things that you need, but also maybe no longer need. I mean, I think this is just such a, such a longer topic, right. so I don't want to go on too long. Yeah. But yeah, I think that moving 
moving in the way of becoming an independent person and then also not ascribing all your value to either how much money you make or the prestige of your job, all of that, they're really they're really opportunities for personal growth that yeah. no one should cast aside, even if you don't necessarily need to work. Well, so. and I, I think it's it's opportunities to find like to decide for yourself your own value and not letting an external force decide yes. for you. Exactly. Whether that's a religious institution or Or a a, career or a career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's one thing I want to say, everyone, before we sign off, Um, there's going to be no Patreon episode this week because I am going on my bachelorette trip. And so the Patreon is actually going to drop early next week. Um, And it's going to be a recap of that. Um, You know, what happens in the Red Rocks stays in the Red Rocks or goes on Patreon. Um, So that should be a really fun recap. Uh, Actually, extremely fun. Um, You definitely are going to want to hear it. And then also Chandler, one last thing. Um, You know, there's like a big conversation on Twitter right now about feminine versus masculine energy. Yes, yes. Yeah. We had a listener DM us. They really want us to talk about it. Let me just say that I have a hundred million thoughts about this. Yeah. None of them appropriate for the public podcast. So buckle it. I can't wait to to have my stomach in knots the whole time we're recording. (laughs) So I'm really excited to talk about that on Patreon. Um, So that's going to be coming to Patreon. uh, Maybe not this next week, but the week after. So we'll do a full deep dive on all of our thoughts on feminine versus masculine energy and, you know, being the queen you were born to be. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Cannot wait. All right. Love you guys. Full circle. RIP Queen Elizabeth II. (laughs) Lilas. Bye, John. Bye. Love you. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.